Welcome to Real Testaments, the messages shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you as you listen. The biggest thing God will do for you this series is not for you to wake up tomorrow morning and there is a Ghana must go back beside you filled with money. I wish that would happen. But even if it did, it wouldn't still be as important as God helping you to change your mindset about money. It's important for us to know in this part of the world, in this part of the country where we are, we are conditioned to be poor. What people say on the street, what you hear everybody say every day, every time, it's all about poverty. Let me give you the popular one. There is no money. Ever heard that? Let me shock you this morning. I, I, I didn't prepare to say this, to do this, but let me shock you this morning. Um, I believe everybody has a phone. Here, you could bring up your phone and go straight to the calculator page. Let's do some little mathematics. Let's do some little mathematics. Let's, let's see how the way we think affects us. How many people do you think we have in Lagos today? What's the population of people in Lagos? Okay, 21 million, 20 million. Okay, let's say, assume we are 20 million. 20 million people wake up every morning in Lagos. All right? Okay. These 20 million people, let's even just take one thing. They all eat. All right? What's the minimum somebody in Lagos will spend on food a day? 300 naira. Okay. Punch that your 20 million into your calculator quickly. I hope your calculator can do that. Multiply it by 300. How much is that? Six billion. Six billion exchange hands every day in Lagos for food alone. Is there still no money? <laughs> Just food alone. We spend at least six billion naira every day in Lagos. So the person who wants to make money, all you need to ask yourself is, how much of this six billion is going through me? How do I position myself? So it's not there is no money. There is money. Ah. Ah, there's a lot, like I said. So I don't, I don't want to digress too much. But I just wanted to debunk just one. Just one. In that 20 million people, half of them move from one place to the other. Even if it's just from your street to the other street, you will spend money on transportation. Work the maths. Of that 20 million people, everybody wears at least two pieces of clothing at a time. A shirt and a trouser. In fact, you can, some people wear up to 10. If we di dimension the things you're wearing now, you may have up to 10 pieces of items that you were wearing. 10 times 20 million is what? 200 million clothing items 
are used every day in Lagos. How many of those are you supplying? Okay, I know what's happening. You are buying. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're coming there. <laughs> now, let's even assume it's only 10, uh, 10 million clothing. Of this 10 million clothing that people wear in a day in Lagos, there are some guys like me who wake up by 5 in the morning and come back by 9 in the night. They don't have time to wash the clothes, but they want to wear it clean. Is that looking like a business for somebody? Yes. I can go on and 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 on. But we are conditioned to believe that there is what? No money. Today I want to talk about principles for financial increase. God has helped us in the last three weeks. We've learned quite a number of things. Quite a number of things. We've learned that real money is more than cash. We have learned that real money is value. And we learned that you cannot see value with your eyes. We've learned that intangible resources are way in value more than tangible resources. And hopefully by next week I'll be telling us on how to use tangible resources to key into the intangible. It's also possible. We've also learned that when God is answering our prayers on finances, most times the most important thing that he gives to us is what? A revelation, an idea, a thought. And all of these are resources. Time is a resource. But what we find out in our society these days and most times is that we waste resources. And so today I want to talk about the principles for financial increase. The money mistakes of the prodigal. Why would somebody have so much money, big boy, and then he ends up poor? So poor that he can't eat. And that happens to a lot of people in our society every day. Let's go to our scripture, our key scripture for this series, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. In case you are joining us for the first time, our series is titled, The Prodigal and His Money. It's inspired by the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. He went to his father, a very rich man, and said to him, give me the portion of goods that pertain to me. And his father gave him, shared the, 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 the goods, and gave to him. And of course, the Bible says he took everything. After some days, he took everything and went into a far country, and there he squandered it. And of course, one of those things that happened in nature happened. There is always a cycle of surplus and scarcity. Surplus and scarcity. It, would, it didn't start with us. It would end with us. In the time of Joseph, it was there. There was a seven-year reign, a seven-year surplus, which followed seven years scarcity. That, that scarcity period was a global depression. Hello, guys. It was a global recession. And we have had our share, at least in our lifetime. We witnessed one. We may witness another before we go to heaven. I don't know. But it is always there in history where everything comes down to ground zero. But the beautiful thing about it is that for those who are enlightened and who are prepared, it always throws up new millionaires. Is somebody praying for the next recession? 
Hallelujah. So our, our series is, was inspired by that man's story. So it is possible to have so much. So that's why your, 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 the problem that some of us have is not the absence of money. It's not the absence of resources. Because you could have so much and still end up poor. Hallelujah. And then you could start from where he was as a poor guy having nothing and end up where he ended having everything. But the truth of the matter is the journey from rags to riches is an internal one. That's why I'm spending so much time to talk about the things that we think about. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so our key scripture is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And it says, can we read it together? But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers, as it is when they stay. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know if I have time. I wanted to you know, make a few comments about some of the things we talked about last week. Specifically, we talked about the different five levels of making money. Do you remember that? And we said the lowest level was what? Hello, talk to me. Salary. I wanted to start with that today because our society still, you see, I, have, I found out that if you really want to make extraordinary progress, you have to make up your mind to go against general or popular opinion. Hello? The educational system we run in Nigeria, in this part of the world, is an outdated educational system. You need to know it. And how you know is when you compare what we learn and what other people in other parts of the, country, of the world who have moved farther than us are learning. And so it, the typical thing in Nigeria is that you go to school, first and foremost, even when you are choosing the course to study, what is at the back of your mind is the course that will give you the, greater, the, uh, the greatest paying job. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, now, let's talk about me. When I was going to write jam, the last one that I, I passed. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> I wrote my first jam, but I was still in school, secondary school, and, and they jammed me. And then um, I think I got 190. And then the next year I had graduated. I just told myself, ah, I jammed. We write jam last year, and I waiting day. You understand that kind of thought? So I went, and they jammed me harder. I got 163. So that one now jolted me to reality that, oh boy, I have spent one year, two years. <laughs> if I, you know, John was once a year then. You know, you know, no private university, so you just have, even if you were a private university, could I have been able to afford it? That's another question. So it was now I taught. And so I now prepared better. And then I wrote the next one and I scored the um, 220, I think. Yeah, I still remember. And then I got in. But guess what? When I was filling my jam form, you know, it was usually nobody will guide you. You are just on your own. And so I wanted to take a course. I looked at the prospectus, everything, and I saw a course called geology. Ha! It sounded complicated. It sounded sophisticated. It sounded big. I didn't know what it was about. I chose this. <laughs> Am I speaking somebody's experience? Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, ah, when you see 
electro electromagnetic, you know, you know those big, big names. I said, this geology has to be something big. So I chose geology. And then I went and I wrote my jam. I did some fairly good math, but you know, I wasn't on first batch, so it meant that somebody had to put a word in for somebody who knows somebody, you know, to be in the second batch. And so, but the guy who was in charge of geology at then the university, one professor Baffo, said that because I didn't write physics, I had a credit in physics, but he said because I didn't write physics in jam, that geology was more of physics than geography. I had an A in geography. He said it was more of physics than geography. So he said no, that, you know, it was very competitive stuff. So there were other people who had, you know, stuff. You know, eventually I found myself, praise God, in agri-economics. And the first thing that came to my mind is, how can you go to school to go and re read farming? And I still remember those days when we were doing practicals, because we had a field that was close to um, Faculty of Social Sciences, where all, all the Gogwa Gogwa Uniben then used to attend. And they would be passing us, and boy, they used to insult us, man. <laughs> They, even the guys reading social works used to insult us. <laughs> Farmer! <laughs> ah! Love it today. <laughs> they used to insult us. You know, so a lot of us went to school like that. And most times, when we are reading that course, either the one we chose or the one they gave us. You understand the one they gave us? We are always reading it with the mind of landing a job, working for somebody. But one of the things I have found out, except you are the few who are privileged to work in the chevrons of this world, the totals, and some other big companies that can afford to pay very good pay. Even when you are in the bank, yes, you receive some good pay, but it's usually from certain levels. Except you are playing at that level. The truth is that salary does not make anybody rich. Now everybody's quiet. It's true. It pays your bills. Quite alright. But when you talk about people who have Malachi, most times they're not salary earners. Because salary restricts you. It fixes your income at a level. Most times, some people are on that level for years. But when you do business, it's unlimited. In one deal, you can make a hundred million. The guy that's any salary all his life, he may work and retire and never see it. So, fortunately for us, I said fortunately, the jobs are now nowhere to be found. People are still sitting down six years. Seven years, eight years, nine years, looking for what? Jobs. It's because of the educational system had conditioned us that it has to be a job. I have to work for somebody. I tell you, the step you are going to take to break out of financial slavery, to enter financial freedom, is when you cannot rearrange your thoughts about Salary. To be an employee is fine. It, I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm still one. Okay? But you must be able to understand that it has limitations. So these finances that we are talking about, that we want to use to touch the world, is not going to be salary. Hello? 
Now everybody's quiet on me. Okay, let's change the topic. Hallelujah. Okay. So we say today we want to look at the principles for financial increase. Now, um, oh, this time is going. I don't know what Pastor is doing to the time. He's winding it. Let me say certain things about principles first to give us a background so that as we delve deep, we can then run faster. Um, one of my mentors, Pastor Samadem, he said something that I've held closely. He said, the greatest kindness you can do to somebody is to give him a job. Now, don't put your mind on receiving the job. Put your mind on the giving the job. By the way, whoever gives and creates jobs will not lack job. Do you, do you see that? Hello? Can you, be, can you be creating jobs and be looking for a job? Okay, good. The reason is this. When you give somebody a job, one person, in most times in this country, you are actually feeding at least four people, clothing four people, housing four people. So it becomes the easiest means to influence people. So when two people come to God, this one says, God, give me a job. And this one says, God, give me a business to create jobs. If you are God, who will you answer first? Because with this guy's answer, I'm going to be taking care of millions of people. You see how it works? Ah, oh, you guys don't agree this morning. That's how it works. That's how it works. Even in countries with advanced economies, one of the things, people that they respect the most are people who create jobs. They respect them more. They pay more attention to them. Uh, my, one of my younger brothers is in the UK with his, with his wife. And um, I can't remember the kind of the class of visa they got when they were going. But part of the condition for getting permanent residency was that they would show evidence that they have created job within a particular time. They know what they are doing. Because as you are creating job, you are solving social issues. That's why they are willing to give you tax holidays, tax cuts, just to make it comfortable. Why do you think that the whole country is uh, uh, fixated with the rating of Nigeria in terms of business environment? How easy it is to do business? Why, why are countries fighting to be rated high? Because that will attract people who will come create jobs for people. It's also so in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Don't forget, the kind of money we are talking about is not the one to put kulukuli on your table. That's too small. It's not the one to give you pandediam every afternoon. That's not it. That's small money. That's taking change. We are talking about the kind of money that will influence nations. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so let's talk about principles because I said the topic of title is principles for financial increase. A principle is a universal fact that holds true everywhere and anywhere. A universal fact. It's amazing to know that our world is full of so many powers, abilities, endowments, but they are locked up in principles. When you are able to understand the principle that follows a thing, you release the power that is in it. And when you release that power and you are in the right direction of the power, it catapults you. So principles are universal facts. They are like laws. Everywhere you go, they hold true. That's one characteristic of principles. They are the same 
everywhere. When you go to America, you observe the same principle, you get the same results. Amen? They are like laws of nature. For instance, um, there's, a, there's a law that whatever you sow is what you reap. If I sow corn, I will what? Reap corn. That's a universal law of nature. Anywhere you go, it's the same thing. Another law that comes to mind is the law of gravity. It says that what? Whatever goes up must what? Come down. Whether you are an American, you are a Nigerian, you are a Zimbabwean, you are a Cameroonian, you are a Liberian, wherever you are, no matter the anointing, no matter how much you pray, once you jump up, you will do what? Jump down. The only time it doesn't work is when you go to a place where there's no gravitational pull, like the moon. So that's why you see them floating in space. Now, the good thing about principles, laws, is that they are no respecter of persons. It works for everybody. Do you understand that? They are the same everywhere. They are universal. The results are the same. They are no respecter of persons. They provide a level playing field for everybody. So when you, say, when you hear Jesus say things like, whosoever, he's talking about principles. Whosoever, whatsoever. It applies for everybody. So they provide a, 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 a level playing field for everybody. Another thing you need to know about principles is that principles are enablers. They are like um, levers. They enable you to achieve things that you cannot do on your own. Once you find the principle behind it, you key into it, it enables you, it catapults you. Hallelujah. Now, another thing I would like to leave you with on principles is that some principles are superior to others. Hello? Okay, let me give you an example. The principle or the law of nature says that, what, sorry, what principle in law, the gravitational law says that whatever goes up must come down. But in, in the world today, we see things that go up and stay up. Now, the reason they can go up and stay up is because they key into a higher principle. For instance, the principle or the law of aerodynamics is superior to the law of gravity. So your plane can actually take up at certain speed and certain turbo power that will sustain it even in the midst of gravity until it's ready to come down. Hello? Are you, are you with me? Okay. Even in the things of the spirit, there are also some principles that, that go, for instance, the principle of, uh, of giving. Many a times it breaks the other natural laws in increase. <laughs> We're going to go there next week. Okay, okay, so that's it for principles. So what are these underlying principles that govern the increase of wealth? The increase in finances. Every one of us should aim at a point in our life where we achieve financial freedom. Financial freedom is that stage in your life where you do not need to work, yet your bills are paid consistently. Is anybody there now? Except the babies. And unfortunately, you don't remain a baby for life. In fact, from two or three, depending on the kind of home you grow, they start giving you responsibilities. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Are you with me this morning? 
You know, so, so that's how it works. So there are principles that enables us to grow our income, to grow our revenue, to grow the things, the resources that come to us. There are principles that we can, if we key into it, then the outcome is already established. I hope I'll have enough. I still have, I have 20 minutes. I hope it's enough for me to give you all of them, all the ones that I came across in my study. Number one, write this down clearly. He who manages his resources well will certainly increase. Hmm. Should I take it again? Now, he who manages his resources well will certainly increase. Let's look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. <coughs> Luke chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. That's Jesus talking. Can you please help me, please? What does he say? He says, he that is faithful in that which is least is what? Faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least, in other words, he that is unfaithful with least is also going to be faithful in much. The next verse says, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's talking about money, am I right? He said, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? Ha! Who remembers what we said about real money? Hello? Come on, come on. We said that real money is not what? Cash. It's value. See what he's saying here? He says, if you are not faithful with cash, who will release to you the true riches? <laughs> Now, the reason why it is important for us to look at this principle is the fact that in our society today, we revel in, we thrive in, we celebrate waste. We waste money. We waste resources. Remember I have said that time is a resource. When we discussed it, we saw that you can convert time to, to what? First of all, from time, you go to wisdom. From wisdom, you go to skill. From skill, you go to cash, time. So time is a resource. Relationships is a resource. Do you understand that? Planning is a resource. Vision is a resource. Okay, so the Bible here says that he that is faithful in the little resources, in a little thing, will automatically be faithful in more. Because the faithfulness you put in that little resource that you have, the way you manage that time, will eventually, even if, look at it, look at it, the way we operate. When a man is organized, he tends to achieve things more than the guy who is disorganized. Am I right? Time available to everybody is the same, 24 hours in a day. But this guy does a whole lot. This other guy couldn't do anything. And then he tells you that there was no time. But they all have 24 hours. Just because this guy had organized himself at the morning, he said, what am I to do today? What are the things I want to accomplish today? He writes them down. We're coming to that. He writes them down. And then he begins to take them one after the other. At the end of the day, he takes task one, done. Task two, done. Task three, done. But the guy who got up in the morning and said, ah, ah, 
Let's see as they go, they go. <laughs> Do you understand? Let's see how let's just let's see how it goes. So he just goes, and then he remembers after he has spent like two, three hours, he then remembers oh something that he should have done first. Then he goes back. Then he, before you know what is happening, the day is gone. He's busy. He's sweating. But he has achieved nothing because he has not managed his resources well. Do you know one of the things that I found out? <sighs> have you ever been at a point where some big money touched your hand? And then after some days, you were not asking yourself, ah, what did I do with all that money? And then you, you want to now start to remember. And most times it always ends up in frustration. In fact, one question that I don't like my wife asking me is, what did we do with the money? I don't like that question. Every time she asks that question, it always leads to, I just get angry quickly. I, and I'm like, okay, so at some point, I now, can I calm down and say, hey, why am I angry? Because the first thing I'll say to her is, ah, but you know, I didn't, I didn't waste the money. You know, I didn't waste the money. <laughs> and then, but then by the way, you start to try to remember what you spent the money on. It's gone. So I learned my lesson. Eh? I make a list. Because that's one thing that we, fit, we, we struggle with it. We struggle with it. We don't, nobody wants to write. It's the first discipline you are going to cultivate if you want to get there at the top. Okay, so every day in our society, we see, and I see this every day. You see a guy, he's earning 20,000, 30,000, or 40,000 in a month. Then his wife puts to bed. Hmm, it's very in Lagos. Oh, I'm <laughs> This guy that, you, that comes to you every day for, to give you tip to eat, all of a sudden, he's calling the community, everybody, to want to what? He wants to throw a party. He must throw a party. He must let everybody know that he has arrived. And then as he's throwing the party, he's, there is a subconscious standard in the mind that you must do. Or, okay, let's even talk about weddings. Let's talk about weddings. You have this brother in the house. He's not working. Then he's 30 years old. Everybody then feels like, ah, he's old enough to marry. Hello? He's old enough to marry. He should, as if it's by age. He's, ah, he's old enough to marry. So, oh, let's give him a wife. Then some people come and twist the Bible, the Bible upside down. They say, he that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. If we just get him a wife, his life will settle. And guess what, Brother Gilbert? They begin to task all of you. Bring money. You bring money. Yeah, you do this. The guy that doesn't have a job will not begin to choose the suit he would wear. I see that's not enough. Then he says he wants to do souvenir. Ha! I invite you to come and chop in my party. Then I will not still give you gifts to go. Ah, ah. That one, I have never been able to understand it. We were watching TV the other day. It was an American movie. They were coming for somebody's birthday. And everybody came with a gift. And I remember growing up that that's how our parents were. Do you understand? You don't go visit a woman that just put to bed empty-handed. It was, it's on culture. It's not our culture, really. But these days, if they visit yourself, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, so you call the party. For instance, it's your birthday. The first person you are going to hear is what are you doing for us? It is you whose birthday to celebrate us. 
Come and wash it. You buy a car, wash it. You wash for people in the house. You wash the ones in the office. And many times you are finished, the car is dirty. Because you... Ah, people take a loan. Oh, They take a loan to wash the car that they took a loan to buy. Waste. It's our culture. We celebrate it. Oh, that colleague in the office is getting married. Before you know what is happening, that should be is landing on everybody. Too. How much is this that should be? 50,000. Hey. You are angry. You are quarreling. But you do what? You pay. <laughs> Robert Shula said something that I don't forget. He said, people spend money they don't have. Some people spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. So at the end of the day, where is the money? It's gone. It has developed wings. It has flown. What have you done? You have been unfaithful. You have not managed resources. Some people squander relationships. Everybody that comes close to you goes away. Gets angry. There's always an issue between you and people. Those are relationships are resources. There are resources. A phone call can do a lot in your life. A word. Recently, we had issues in the, not issues, we had a segmentation process in my office. And part of what it involved was when they created the, 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 the sectoral leads, they were then given the opportunity to pick people that want, they wanted to work with them. As I'm talking to you today, there are a lot of people that are floating. Nobody has picked them. Why? In those meetings, the people that you have had contact with, that you have not dealt with well, just put in a word, ah, this person, I forget her. And what has happened? Everybody forgot her. There are vacancies, but they don't want them. You don't squander relationships. They are very powerful. God places people in your life at every point in time for something. It is not only when, you know, you know, I was talking to a young lady the other day. I said, it's not only when you are dating a guy that you should be nice. That's not it. Because you don't know this guy you are with that you are not dating and you are treating him anyhow. I may have a younger brother somewhere who is looking for a good wife. Or, worst case, let's do introduction. His younger brother Tom tells you, oh, I want to marry da, 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 and they fix into family introduction. And guess who walks in? When they remove the, the girl that he used to know that behaved badly. What do you think is going to happen? That contract will end. The guy will go and say, ah, that one, uh, very saucy, very disrespectful. La, 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 la. Before you know what has happening, it fizzles out. The guy comes and begins to tell you a story. Yeah, he says, oh, okay, that's true. That's why she talks like this. Oh, 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 oh. Relationships, they are all resources. But the one we are talking about now is money. When what the way you manage the income of twenty thousand is the way you're going to manage when it is twenty million. Don't think you are going to transform. In fact, people get worse when the money increases. Some of us, oh, when we were discussing the, the money mistakes of the prodigal, one of the things we saw was that the guy was spending emotionally, frivolously. Anyhow, anything you see, you, money touches your hand, the first thing that comes to your mind is that powerful phone. Haven't you seen some people, they are jumping bus to bus, but when you see the phone they are holding, the phone can buy the bus and the bus driver. Phone. 
phone. The longest you can use any phone, two years, three years. That's if it didn't fall and crack. So you see them, they want to belong. I, I, my wife and I were talking about a company where we went not too long ago. And the lady at the front desk, front desk, receptionist, the phone she was using, the person we went to see who is a director, doesn't have it. Why? She wants to belong. And then you jump bus and somebody lands you one slap and collect the phone. That's the end. That's the end. You mustn't buy it because somebody else has it. It is waste. How can you spend 200,000 naira on a phone and you don't have a single share anywhere? You don't have land. You don't have anything. All that you have is just what you are wearing. And the Bible said the fashion of this world passes away. After like three, four months, that thing you are wearing now will no longer be in vogue. The value has died, has dropped. So spend money on things that have the capacity, we're going to get there, to bring back money. If one of the mistakes, money mistakes of the prodigal was that he was spending his money on consumables. Consumables are things you consume, and that's the end. Like the phone I just mentioned. Hallelujah. Oh boy, this time is not my friend today. So, avoid unnecessary expenditure. Be careful with those parties, burials. My brothers in the East, you know what I'm talking about. You want to, when you want to give that your old man a befitting burial. Do you, do you ever, have you ever come to think that when somebody dies, it is the end? He is gone. When you say, I'm giving my late dad respect, now lie. If he did not respect him when he was alive, this is what you are doing to his body. It's just a waste of money. They will borrow money. They, oh, they, they, they expect me to do this. They expect me. And they know that you, know you don't have a job. Because you want everybody to think that, oh, this. And then you see the banners, the exit of an icon, the exit of a genius. The exit, I saw a lot in Benin last time I was in town. <laughs> then you would, you would keep, they would keep the cops for years. Building a house the man never lived in when he was alive. Just to let everybody know that he has children. Meanwhile, the man died in hunger. They pack all that money and what? Bury it. Let me tell you the truth. Left to me. Eh? You know that one that they take the body to, where do they take it to? In cremation. And burn it. And scatter the ashes. That is the best. You can come and meet me after service. <laughs> so many reasons. You won't, you won't need to pay for a place to bury. You won't, you won't need to, no. The person goes today, by tomorrow evening, he's gone. Everybody moves on. Because really that's the end. There is no respect you are going to give to a corpse. That would be equivalent to one hour respect in real life. We need, but this is our culture. So, you know, I said, if you really want to make mileage, you must be ready to go against popular opinion. That's where a lot of people bury their income. Burials. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on now. Let's move on. Number two, principle number two. Hmm. 
He that spends more than he earns will never have enough. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. He that spends more than he earns will never have enough. He says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be what? Wise. What does the ant do? He said, which having no guide, no teacher, overseer or ruler, does what? Provides her meat in the summer and gathereth her food when? In the harvest, in the time of surplus, the ants gathers it away. When you see all those soldier ants and all those fire ants filing and carrying things, they're not eating it there. They're storing it. Because they know that seasons will always change. Seasons are never the same. When we were coming to church this morning, it looked like it was going to rain. But look at it now. It's shining out there. No rain. Some weeks ago, some months ago, it rained so much that we looked like the whole Lagos was going to be flooded. That's the season. Now we are in rainy season. After a while, we expect to be in what? In a Hamilton season. Some parts of the world, they have four seasons. They have the summer, they have the winter, they have the, the autumn and the spring in some, most parts of the Europe and America. So, but everything, everything has its time. But the reason the Bible is telling us to go to the ant is because the ant is wise enough to know that there is a possibility that this surplus will not last. So when the surplus comes, you eat the one you need to eat now, and then you save some. As a matter of fact, the wisdom says, save first before you start spending. But one of the mistakes of the poor is always to hear that the money is not enough. So they can't save. No matter how small your earnings are, you can save. No matter how small it is. When you have savings, let me tell you what it does for you. Bible says that money is a defense. When you have savings somewhere, there's some kind of palpitations of your heart you won't have. There's some kind of confidence that it gives you. If they push me small, at least there is, even if it is one month. In fact, for those of us who work for people, they tell us, always make sure you have at least six months' salary. Especially these days, where they threaten us every day. Because that's where another mistake. What leads a lot of people to salary job is they say they're looking for what? Financial security. But at the end of the day, they are into financial jail. Because you keep repeating the cycle. The cycle, you keep repeating it, repeat, repeat it. There is never a way to... The only time you, you break out... It's either they push you out or you hear a teaching like this and you make up your mind. Say, hey, no boy, I'm not going to continue this cycle. So, when you have savings, no matter how small it is, the most important thing at this level is to begin to learn, cultivate the habits. Everything God places in your hand is not for food. He said he gives bread to the eater and seed to who? The sower. But the bread and the seed are the same. It depends on the person who is handling it. Is this money bread in your eyes or is it what? Seed. If it's bread, you will eat it and it will finish. If it is seed, you will sow it and it will produce another one. So you must come to that point. You, you, you cannot increase wealth if you can't save. You can save for a future event. You can save for eventualities. 
You can save for an investment. In fact, the wisdom is save a portion of your income and then at a stage when it has grown to a particular level, then you invest it. I'm coming to that next. The power of compound interest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you will always hear that the money is not enough. Meanwhile, remember principle number one? There has been a lot of waste. Waste. Save. Someone says, make sure you don't eat more than 70% of your salary. I love what Pastor Reverend Isibo taught us many years ago. I think it was our very first couple's getaway, um, 2009, if I'm not mistaken. He said, because that guy has achieved financial freedom. He says, from your active income, which is your salary, save. Maybe you are saving a 10% or a 20%. When that 20% reaches a particular amount, depending on what you want to do, you then take it and invest in something. When your investment yields interest, invest the interest. He said you would get to a stage where your, your, you know, the interest from your investment is passive income. Your salary is the active income. He says you will get to a stage where your passive income will not be higher than your active income. That's when you have achieved financial freedom. At that stage, you don't need to work. <laughs> you know why it's good to discuss these things now? We are all young. And what is it that we have? What? Time. We have time. You may not have the reconnections. You may not have all the other things. But you have time. Imagine if you decide to save, um, let's, say, let's say, as small as 100000 in a year. Every year. 100000 Maybe 10000 or 5000 in a month. Just put it aside. Put it aside. How much do you think will, you know, you know um, um, I, was, I was studying a book for why I was preparing this series. He says, um, maybe I'll come to that, the next principle. You know, when you are planning for the future, ask yourself, what will I, what will I need to spend every month in my, on, from my 60th birthday, for instance? Let's say you are 30 now. In 30 years' time, how much do I need to spend every month to be okay? Now, that comes to the next principle. When you find that amount... And then you ask yourself, how much investment would I need now to give me that kind of money in 30 years? It's not difficult. When you can, when you can do that mathematics, and then you see that all it may require is just a little inconvenience. You see, many times we don't know what we call delayed gratification. We want to enjoy everything now. But you can actually start planning for that 60 years' time. 30 years' time, 20 years' time, because you have it. You can start planning for it and start saving little by little. As you save, you invest. As you save, you invest. As you save, you invest. A little trick I can tell you as a banker. If you want to save money, no matter how much they market you, do not allow ATM on that savings account. First and foremost, you don't save money in cash and put it your, under your pillow. You see, all these banks, they are wicked. I don't like them. Take advantage of the banks. Don't let the banks take advantage of you. So you save that money. You put it first in a savings account, depending on the amount. But make sure it is not a savings account that has 
ATM card. Or that is linked to your mobile. You know, all the banks are doing is just to help you make your spending easy. They don't ever come up with products to save. They come up with products to spend. Because the more you spend, the more we get. <laughs> oh, you don't know how it works. Hmm. I give you a loan. Oh, boy, my time is up. Ah, my time is up. Uh. Okay, Pastor, you says I can take 10 minutes. Ah, okay. Now, there's something that the, the companies do these days. Um, hmm. Now, let me, let me go back a little bit on the same principle number two. He that spends more than he earns will never have enough. One of the things that happens when you begin to spend more than you earn is that you be in debt. There's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. You need to look at it. Proverbs 22, verse 7. Proverbs 22, verse 7. He said, the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is what? Servant to the lender. When you are borrowing, as a matter of fact, take this as a principle for your personal life. Don't ever borrow to consume. You understand what I mean by that? Don't borrow for something that will not give you money. If you are ever going to borrow, let it be for an investment. Let it be for a business. That's the only time it can generate itself back and the interest. Why do you think in, in, in banking we call risk asset, which are loans, we call, them, we call it leverage. A company sees that, oh, it cannot really, really do the kind of size of business it wants to do with its resources. Let's say 100 million. Then they come to me and say they want to borrow another 100 million. Now they are trading with 200 million. The profit they're going to make with 200 million is going to be better and bigger than the guy who is trading with 100 million. It's called leverage. The extra income is leverage. And you do it in such a way that it's high enough to pay the interest on the loan. But when you borrow to spend, what actually happens to you is that you are living in future. You are spending your future today. So they pay you, they pay you 100,000, but and then and then you spend 150,000 today because you have borrowed because that extra money has to come from somewhere. So when it is borrowed money, it means that the 100,000 you are going to get next month is already short by 50,000. Hello? So you go into next month you get 100,000, but you need to pay the guy that you borrowed last month. So you pay him 50,000 if you are a good person. Because the Bible says the wicked borrow it and pay it. And a lot of Christians are like that. When they borrow, that's the last time you see them. When you call them, they are busy. But when they needed the money, they were not busy. They were calling you. Okay, so you then find out that you are now 50,000 naira less. So you now have 50,000. And yet your expenditure for the month is 150. So what's going to happen? You borrow another hundred to fund the deficit. You see it? You're actually living in future. That's why the borrower is servant to the lender. Because whatever the lender says you should do, that's what you do. A woman was owing, her husband was owing and died, and she couldn't pay. The, the lender came and said, give me your two sons. Debts have to be paid. All right, the last one. I actually had five, but I can't go into all of them. Let's, I'll stop with this last one. This last one says, those who organize their finances through planning will always be ahead of those that don't. 
Now, it's important to look at this one critically because our major weakness in this part of the world is planning, writing. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I will stand upon the word and see what the Lord will say to me and how I will respond when he asks me. Verse 2, he says what? Write the vision. He said, the Lord said unto me, write the vision. Write the vision. Write the vision. Write the vision. To be frank with you, I am, without doing census, I can tell you that less than 1% of people in this room have a financial plan for next year. I'm, so, I'm saying one year financial plan. Less than 1%. Practically, it's possible that nobody has a financial plan for 10 years from now. He says, right. You can say, oh, I'm planning it in my head. I'm planning it in my head. Until you put it down, it does not become material. Remember, we talked about intangible wealth. The first assets that your intangible wealth has to become material in this world is when you put it on paper. You must write it down. That's the first connection, that, that, that blessing you have. In, you know, last week we looked at the basis or the foundation for, for, for godly wealth. And we saw that we are stupendously rich in the spirit. Am I right? We trace it from the word of God. We are, we are big boys. We are, we are rich. In fact, if you look at your wealth in the, in, in the spirit, you can stand on this road and say nobody will pass because you are the, you are the wealthiest man. But guess what? You don't spend spiritual money on earth. For you to spend that money you have in the spirit on earth, you have to convert it. So the first point where that spiritual wealth begins to touch this material world is on paper. You must learn how to plan. We must learn how to plan. He said, write the vision. Write it. You don't write in the spirit. You, you take paper, you write it. When you write... You have the opportunity to strategize. You have the opportunity to think. You have the opportunity to weigh all the options. In today's warfare, the winner of any battle is not the man that with, with the largest army. Most times, it is the man with the best strategy. Strategy is what wins the war today. It's not by prayer and fasting. Even when you are prayed and fasted and God has spoken a word, if you don't write it down, I can assure you in one day you are forgotten. You are forgotten. Hallelujah. You know, just while I was preparing this series, a lot of things, God was throwing a lot of things in my mind. And I can confess to you, the only ones I was able to capture are the ones that I wrote down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the first expression your vision has with this material word it should be in writing. Write, write. Even when we talk about planning, you know, you know, it says anyone who wants to win in life must first win on paper. Paper, put the strategy down. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. When you put it down and you look at it, then you will see the things you need to adjust. You will adjust them. You will see opportunities you didn't know existed. Then you will see how to maximize them. It's easy to follow up on your progress when there is something written down. But when you don't write anything down, you are assuming that you will just do it. You won't. You make a lot of mistakes. So we cannot remove financial planning, which is another mistake that the prodigal made. There was no financial plan. 
He just gathered everything he had and took off. He, he didn't have time to sit down to say, hey, this money that has come to me now, what do I want to do with it? If you don't budget, you will end up spending money on frivolities. Things that you can't even tell people that you spend the money on. That's if you remember self. So you must learn how to plan. How much am I expecting from now to the end of the year? Where are all the sources of revenue I'm expecting? Even if it is money that you expect that somebody will dash you, write it down. The next thing is, how do I want to spend this money? In fact, I will advise, make the financial plans before the money comes. Make the financial. You may assume that, oh, once this money comes, I know what I'm going to do with it. I will tell you. Bible says in, I think, Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 11, it said, when goods increase, the number of them that eat it also what? Increase. It's called Parkinson's law. When your revenue increases, your expenditure automatically increases. So when you do not have a plan of what to deal with the increased revenue, you are likely to fritter it off. It will be wasted. Hallelujah. Planning gives you control over the future. Planning prepares you for your opportunities. It helps you do strategic thinking. Planning creates order, and order creates increase. Let me give you a typical example, and I'll close with that. Have you ever tried, you are traveling, and then you pick all the, all the clothes, and you just dump them into the bag? Dump clothes into the bag. Do you realize that the person who sits down to fold the clothes and arrange them properly automatically has space? But the guy who just throws out the clothes, boom, 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 boom. Before you know what's happening, the bag is what? Filled up, no space. <laughs> That's what organizing do for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are able to do these things, there are laws that will work for anybody, anytime, anywhere. You will find out that you are on the path to a better life, to an incremental life. You learn to invest, which is another principle. You learn to multiply your money. You learn to diversify your revenue. Diversify it. Make sure that it's not only just one source that money comes to you. Even if you are working for somebody today, you can also always have something else by the side. Increase your revenue sources. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray for you today in the name of Jesus. That you would come to temps with the realities of the plans of God concerning your finances. That you will break free from every chain that has held you back and have made you think poverty when indeed God has placed you in the midst of plenty. That you will learn how to recognize opportunities and to maximize them. In the mighty name of Jesus, you are blessed and favored. In Jesus' name, thank you. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. For more information, visit our website, www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real, influence your world.